out of there you gotta get the fuck out of there that's skip that's my father that's at eight in the morning eight in the morning march 18th that's the day after saint patrick's day all right i uh i was in mexico for like a month in january i ate a little too much drank a little too much everything a little too much surfed a little too much a little too much sun whatever I came back to la and i decided to um hey i'm waving to all y'all that are on here um, I decided to to take a little breather. I didn't drink for 26 days. I was just eating healthy, back in the gym, feeling great. I broke that alcohol fast on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. I had some drinks, I had some fun. I get that call, 8 in the morning. Skip, get the fuck out of there. You gotta get down here. All right, he lives in Mexico. He's in the cut. And that's him calling me, referring to my urgency to get out of Los Angeles. City of six million, I think. I'm not a fucking census worker. I think it's six million. It's a lot. Where he's at in Mexico, it's like 8,000. A lot less. I'd already thought about this, me and my lady. We had entertained the idea of dipping out for the lockdowns. Just, you know, we live in a Los Angeles apartment with a small porch. You got a big house in Mexico with a lot of land and space, and you can stay on your property and get that fresh air, that vitamin D, trees, shit like that, and less likelihood you're going to encounter people that might be carrying this coronavirus. It's a three-day drive. It's not an easy drive. Anyone who's driving in Baja, Mexico, they always tell you, don't drive at night. It's not because the fucking banditos or cartel. You don't drive at night because the roads are... In horrendous condition half the time, they have potholes that will end your car's career. They will crack a rim, right? And there's no shoulder. You know when you drive on a road and there's a shoulder? There's no shoulder. In fact, it's usually a foot drop down to a dirt hill. So you go off that road, dude, you're going off that fucking road. And you can't, it's one lane each way. So you, if your big ass semi 18 wheelers coming by and he's wide, you got to be careful and you can't swerve from that fucking pothole because you'll collide with one of them. And the main reasons you don't drive at night is you break down, there's cities, there's towns, but there's long, long stretches where there's nothing, not even gas stations. So you break down in the wrong spot, you're fucked. And then there's the real, the real killer at night. If you drive down to Baja, Mexico one, you see all these little roadside shrines, people paying their respects to loved ones who died on the highway nine times out of ten the killer is this big black cow they got these big black cows down here and there's not street lights on this highway so when you're driving at night you can't see these things till it's too late and hitting one of these is like hitting 12 deers and they cause fatalities on the reg so you're really advised to strictly drive on this road during daylight which is about 10 hours right now 11 so we're driving and it's i just did this drive but it's fucking exhausting dude and then we're on the third day pulling in Right in front of me, there's a flatbed truck, sheet metal. It's wobbling, like wobbling like this dude's drunk. Only problem is it's 8 in the morning. He can't be drunk. Yes, I know he said 8 in the morning, but it was 8 in the morning also this time too. We just left Moolahe, this town Moolahe, me and my girl. Now, I'm keeping my eyes on the road, right, because Jake the Snake's a responsible driver, but I hear my girl in shotgun going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, 10 minutes ago before these woes, I said, look at this flatbed truck in front of us. He's wobbling. I'm staying back. He's driving all over the place. The whoa, whoa, whoa's commence from my girl. I look over, and this truck's going off the road. Just goes off the road, flips, goes down, stops when it kind of slams into some cactuses. Now, about 10, 11 years ago, my father and I, 
on the same fucking highway, on the same highway, got in a truck accident with a truck flipped. And we stayed on the road, the pavement of the road. We didn't go down the dirt pile on the side, but I was driving. Only accident I've ever been in. And wow, did I save it for something crazy, right? I saved it for a fucking flipping of a truck in Mexico on the highway. Uh, you know, I had to climb up out of it. I was on the driver's side. Um, you know, the door was on the ground. Skip was in passenger. He was up there. So I had to climb out, pulling glass out the knee and the head. A little blood, a little limping for some days, but we were all right. We watched this truck, me and my girl, do this similar thing right in front of us. Fucking rattles us. We pull over. Another car pulls over. Us and the other people went over there. We get him. We check him out. Dude's leaking from the head. Not too bad, but he's definitely bleeding. Old ankle all swollen, broken, sprained, but he's all right. The girl that's with him shook up. We bring him some water, some medical supplies. The other car goes to get some ambulance in the federales. They come. They're okay. But that's how I started this venture. Mind you, we're getting out of L.A., getting out of L.A. to fucking avoid the coronavirus shit, and it's already a stressful drive down, and that shit leaves us rattled. Now, the reason I'm telling you all this is like, been, oh, two weeks since I did the Damage Goods podcast. I always go to my art. I always go to my art in times of adversity, stress, pain, whatever. I create the best, whether it was music, writing, broadcasting, this shit. There's sometimes things that come up where you don't even have the time to go to your artistic outlets to, to, to heal yourself, to do what you do best, to be funny. I, dude, I crack jokes all the fucking time, dude, at the darkest of fucking moments. Read my book, Quicksand. It'll, it's, it's what it is. By the way, Quicksand, available. Amazon, Barnes & Noble for delivery. Both of those, as well as Kindle and ebook. Good time to read. Plugging myself. Um, but anyway, yeah, dude. The, the, I have not even had the time to go to my artistic endeavors. Shit comes up when we get down to Mexico that just knocks me off my motherfucking size 12 feet. All right, knocked, knocked the loafers right off me. <laughs> um... And uh, it's kept me from being able to, to, to not just do a podcast or write or anything, but to even be like funny on social media and feel like myself and crack as many jokes or whatever. I've been wrapped up dealing with shit. Get down here. My father finds out he, um, he has liver cancer. This is heavy. This is a strong man. I've never seen this guy scared in his life. I've seen him laugh at things that terrify most of us. He's survived crazier shit than I could ever go through. But I, I see fear in his eyes and uncertainty. And it's tough, man. This isn't some guy who wronged you or robbed you. This isn't the government fucking with you, the cops or an enemy or somebody you can get mad at. This is a thing that, that doesn't give a fuck about anybody or anything else. And now you got this coronavirus, social distancing, right? We're in another country. Now, I speak Spanish. My girl's Latina. My father does not. He's lived in other countries his whole life and don't. He can barely speak English. So he's got the language barrier, but we're here. We both speak the language. She's a Latina, Dominican, so she's extra good. We're the only ones who can help him now because of this coronavirus, social distancing. So even if we were in Massachusetts or even if we were anywhere or family and people were down here, and he got friends down here, but they can't help. We're the only ones who've been in contact with him and his girlfriend. So we're the only ones to help. And we're dealing with this shit, man. And... I've never done this before, right? Hold on, I'm having a drink. Yeah, it's about 3 o'clock in the bar. This is my first peaceful day in two weeks. I'm having a, a fucking beverage. That's the sound of some Mexican cognac. It's real hard to get cognac in Mexico. There's only one bar in Todos Santos that even serves it. You got to go to Cabo to a motherfucking Costco, which is the last place I'm going right now. But I found this at this local little liquor store down the street. 
And we're in the cut, so I mean down the street. But yeah, it's not bad. It's better than Selegnac, if you know about that. I don't know if that's a Massachusetts-only cognac. but So I've never had a family member or a father. Or I've had friends with cancer shit, but I've never had a parent with cancer. And now I'm dealing with it. We get him into the hospital. My father's a controlling man and very self-sufficient. So not to be able to control or be self-sufficient, it's a, it's a hard thing for people, right? If you've ever known anybody or perhaps you yourself are like this. So they think they can still operate the same way from a hospital bed, barking orders and requests and demands and, dude, just driving me nuts. I wake up at 6 in the morning every day with a fucking thing full of knots in my tummy, ball of stress. I'm not even drinking coffee, dude. Anxiety is my motherfucking caffeine. And and, and I, we just get up, you know, and, and, and start doing things the whole day, taking care of the house, watering plants, doing this and that, taking care of my pops, bringing them to the hospital, checking them in, talking to the doctors, blood banks, blood donors, tests. He freaks out because... He don't understand half the shit that's going on. Neither do I. We're learning, doing research. Me and my girl became motherfucking nurses, doctors, caregivers, gardeners, uh, maids, chefs, all the shit overnight just doing extra shit for him. And it's a lot. Now, a lot of people have been through this shit before. And I feel for you, man. I've watched family and friends suffer and some even die from this kind of shit. This is a unique time to be dealing with cancer, whether you're the patient or the people helping out. It's fucking coronavirus, dude. Only one person allowed in the hospital at a time. In America, I've heard in some places, they don't even let the family in. So this soon, I could not even be able to go in. All right? Nobody else can help, even if they want to, even if his friends, his neighbors, his homies, even if the family was here. Nobody can help. Since we're the only ones living here in contact, we're the only ones to help. So we're working overtime. So I haven't had even the time to be funny Jake the Snake. I haven't felt less like myself. How selfish is it that I'm ranting about that? This man is up in there. But they gave him a risky... Um, well, he had a surgery. It was only it was an absolutely necessary thing to do to get in there to at least stop the spread of it. And it got riskier as the days went on, you know, his chances for uh, coming out that motherfucker. He's a tough guy, dude. Polish, if anything, are tough. Maybe not the sharpest tools in the shed sometimes. Although my family, I'd like to think, is smart. Um, but he's a tough motherfucker. He's been through crazier shit than this, dude. So, you know, I was... I felt confident he was going to pull through it, but one of the doctors got really nervous because his, his condition was worsening so fast by the day. Surgery day comes, I'm on motherfucking egg shells. I zone out and just start watching movies just to, like, think of nothing and, and waiting for this doctor to call me at motherfucking 9.30 at night. That's when the surgery's done. So I'm on eggshells. He calls me. Dude made it. So I'm happy. Still not, you know, it's not the best prognosis. There's still a lot of work to be done, but he made it through the surgery. So I'm relieved, but I'm fucking scared, dude. I'm a scared little snake, man. I'm, a, I'm full of doubt and uncertainty. I'm angry because I can't take my shit out on nobody. There's nobody that did wrong here, but I'm fucking furious. And, and for the first time in like seven years, I buckled under this fear, anger, sadness. Where I got, dude, I, good thing for social distancing, dude. Good thing for social distancing because if I encountered somebody that I just felt didn't have a good energy or upset me or I, I thought I would be like righteously justified to, to extend the hand of God on him. You know what I'm saying? And that ain't right. I'm not thinking in a rational style right then. That's where my fucking brain is at. That's where my heart and my emotions are at. I'm torn up. I'm sleep deprived. I only get to sleep a few hours through the night. My father's waking me up at all these times. He's in pain. And that's before I brought him to the hospital. Now in the hospital, he's calling me at all hours. I'm taking care of his dog, who is batshit crazy. I love Rhodey, but he is a pain in the fucking ass. And I've come to learn not a lot of people like him. Because all he does is bark. He's spoiled. He's whining. So he's waking me up out of my sleep. I am so sleep deprived. I'm starting to see things, dude. I'm losing shit. Thank God my girl got my back here. Because I can't fucking remember what I'm doing half the time. 
So she's a goddamn saint. Anyway, he, you know, he survives the surgery. I'm happy. I'm still sad and scared about certain shit. I'm throwing things. I'm punching things. I'm, I'm fucking losing it. But at the same time, I'm getting it together. And now he's in the hospital still recouping. And and he got some good news about some new blood work. And I'm feeling good, man. And And, and, and every day, though, I have to go to this hospital. I've been to the hospital more times in 10 days than I have in 10 years. And this is the worst time to be going anywhere. You're only supposed to go to the grocery store and the pharmacy right now and be home. Even in Mexico, even in Baja, they have these same restrictions. They're actually on top of it quicker than America. They got the little temperature radar guns they put up to your dome to tell your temperature when you're driving through checkpoints. They got billboards everywhere, pamphlets, mandatory lockdowns, mandatory masks, all that. And they, this is before it's really gotten bad where America just kind of got a little late to the party. But we got a protocol when we go to this hospital. I ain't taking no shorts. As, as sad and terrible as my father's situation is and how much it hurts me personally too, I'm not forgetting there's a bigger thing out there that's claimed the lives of people that my, we're related to and friends. I've already known people that have passed from this shit. You know what I'm saying? So I can't take it. And my father knows too. But when you're facing death in the face yourself, it's hard to think about the bigger thing. So I know where he's at. But I'm not there. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still here in the rest of the world with y'all. So we suit up, we roll in, this is how it goes. Masks, we got man masks, reusable ones, disposable, N95s. We got, yo, we was prepping for the shit for a while. We, we, we got all the goods. We got all the goods. We got the gloves on, the masks. We bring sanitizers and wipes. We bring our own pens. We don't touch shit. We don't wait inside. We go in the hospital, ask for something, and we go back to the car. They come out and get us when it's ready. I don't wait around in that motherfucker. When I get the wheelchair, they bring him into this hospital. When I bring him his ass out, I bring in sheets I put down. I lice all that motherfucker down. I'm not trusting, and I don't mean I'm not trusting anybody because some people are doing the right thing. Hospital workers and citizens alike, and then some aren't. So it's not like I don't trust nobody. I'm just taking extra precautions because... Look, I'm a young dude. I'm in really good health. My father's a fucking cancer patient right now. His immune system is down to so little. I got to look out for him. Somebody with just a common cold comes by that could fucking end him. It's not even about that C-virus joint. So I'm just taking all the precautions I can. I'm being a responsible little snake, man. I'm on it. I'm on this motherfucker. And so we do all that. And we go in that hospital. And that whole time we're in the hospital, your heart rate is fucking jacked. Because now you're putting your life on the line for his life. I mean, he's in there fighting and he, he's scared. And these doctors are doing the best. Thank God he's in a small private hospital. And it's not a ton of people in his hospital wing in terms of patients. But it don't matter. It takes one visitor, one like janitor. Somebody comes in there who's been elsewhere. It's scary. It's on our mind. And we're suited up in that motherfucker, nervous as shit. We don't touch nothing. We help him. I listen to counting in the seconds in my head. How selfish am I? Right? How selfish am I and so scared right now about this other thing? I'm counting the seconds in my head to when I can leave the hospital room of my father who's in great, dire situations. Not because I don't love him, not because I'm not willing there, but it's it's also my girl I'm looking out for. It's also me, and I'm fucking shook up in that motherfucker, but I brave it. I got to put on that smile for him, right? I got to keep his mind positive. He, they say the mental part of the cancer shit is, is, is a real fucking thing, so I'm, I'm there. I got his back. But, dude, I'm fucking sh I'm shook inside. And, you know, there's only been... My father got a sense of humor like me. Cracks jokes in the worst of times. And that's how I knew he was scared and it was serious because he didn't crack a joke for like a week straight. <laughs> And when he did, he cracked maybe two since the 10 days he's been in the hospital. And I, dude, that was like a relief that he would crack a joke. You know what I'm saying? That made me breathe a little. What's up, Ariel? Ariel, my guy, one of the best mixing engineers in the world. And tracking and production engineers. But yeah, I'm in there. I'm shook as a motherfucker. And we got a whole protocol when we come home. 
We get out. We get. We, we take our gloves off inside out. We disinfect them before we even touch anything else. We wash our hands with the gloves on as if they were the hands. And we leave them on the motherfucking dashboard and the masks so they catch in UV. We get home. Before we even get in the house, we strip outside. We're out on the street. We, Mexico, it's in the cut a little bit. We strip butt naked. We leave all the shit out of, in the car outside. We run in and we shower. We clean get in newer clothes. We go to the car, open it. We disinfect the car like a motherfucker. Then we take all those clothes, leave them in the sun more, wash them shits and disinfect everything else. Every time we come and go to this fucking hospital, which is every day, I got to do that. So it's not like I'm out the door, right? It's not like I'm in and out the door quick. Now the, the routine is long, but I'm buckling down, dude. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a responsible little snake, man. I'm doing my part. Gloves off. You know, mask off on the thing. We drive home on this highway. Stressed. Come home. Pants, shirts, pants, shoes, fucking all that shit. Drawers off. Ladies, if you're listening, drawers off. <laughs> and we, I hop in the shower, wash up, disinfect all that, and then I get to come back in the house after I've cleaned all that shit off. And that's every day. Sometimes I gotta be there. Sometimes he just wants me there to bring him organic, healthy food that's good for the liver. Sometimes he just needs someone there because he's shook, and I get it. And if this wasn't the fucking coronavirus times, I'd be sleeping on the floor of that hospital room. I don't care. When he was still here, before he had even gone to the hospital, I slept in the floor of his room just so I could be closer to hear him when I had to help him. You know what I'm saying? Dude, a grown man my size sleeping on the floor of a linoleum, or is it linoleum? No, this is tile. It's cold tile floor. We're sitting in a, a grown man fucking farting story to sleep and shit, and his dog barking in my ear, but I'm doing it because I love this man. So that's the routine, right? But he's still from the hospital. He's demanding. Last night, I'm going to the hospital. Got to talk to the doc. New blood work results. Spoiler alert, blood results are great. It's good news. That means he's recovering better from the surgery, meaning he'll be better intact to handle chemo or radio, whatever the fuck's next. I can't speak on it because the doctor doesn't know. All right, I'm driving to La Paz. La Paz is a big city about a, a little more than an hour away from where we are at. It's the capital of the Baja, the southern Baja, I should say. Tijuana is the capital of the northern. It's oddly rainy. From Mexico Cloudy Eerie all day Overcast It's raining I have to go at 6 So it's like It's getting darker It's gonna be darkness When I get there I'm a responsible ass driver Down here I don't play I'm driving I'm responsible I'm going to speed limit In fact cars are whizzing by me As I'm starting to enter the city There ain't no sirens behind me There ain't no motherfucking Lights behind me But a cop car pulls up Now in Mexico There's three types of Enforcement you'll see You'll see the military You'll see the federales, which are like your stateies, your state troopers. And then you got the municipal police, the policia municipal, city cops, town cops. It's the town cops. It's the police, the municipal police. And everybody that's checking in on the motherfucking uh, IG Live, I never do these podcasts live, but thank you for checking in. My man Karras, what's up, brother? I love you, dog. It's my guy. All you guys. Braden, what's up, man? Lindsey McNeil, what's up? Um, cops pull up next to me. Not behind me, no sirens, no lights. Window down, waving, screaming at me. Pulls over. I'm trying, I'm on the way alone this time to see my father at night in the rain in the hospital. Man just got out of fucking death-defying surgery. And he's not in good shape right now. Cops pull me over. Now I've been in, I'm a preface this little tale. I've been in Mexico, I've been in the, the whole world, in different places everywhere. I grew up in a fucking another country, you know what I'm saying? What's up, Nat Anglin, for checking in? Uh, I, I grew up in a, what would they call a third world developing country. None of this shit is new to me, right? And I've dealt with authorities, corrupt ones in other countries like this before. In Mexico in particular, two other times. Bribing cops. It's a typical shakedown game. It's a thing that happens. This is a little different. They pulls me over. 
I got the fucking virus mask on, gloves. I'm about to go to the hospital. I'm like a mile and a half from the fucking hospital to go see my father. And I'm like, fuck, man. I'm just trying to get there. What the fuck is the deal? Cop comes up. There's two of them. The younger one, a little younger than me. And he got a He's the one who was driving, screaming at me from the side door. And they didn't put the lights or nothing on. No sirens. They pull up next to me. He's got this nasty look in his eye. He pulls up, walks up next to me. He's, you know, he asked for my license. I tell him, I'm speaking in Spanish to him. I'm like, yo, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know what I did. He's like, you're driving wrong. He doesn't say I'm speeding. He doesn't say I ran a lighter stop sign, which I didn't because I'm, dude, I'm on my fucking square. You know, my P's and Q's when I'm doing this. I got to go see this man in the hospital. I'm sharp as I've, I've been because I got anxiety running through me. So I'm super sharp, although I'm getting tired, but I'm sharp. He just says, you're driving wrong. It's a big blanket statement. I say, I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm going to the La Fida Paz Hospital right here in La Paz. My father's got stomach cancer, man. I'm sorry. I don't know what I did. Now, this is a trick what they usually do. And I've been through this before. They take um, they take your ID when you give it to them. Like, but they don't ask for your registration. And they say, oh, you gotta, you got to come in if you want it back. or And they, that's just to get a little money out, usually. Now, this time, this guy, is, he's got this nasty tone with me. And I'm apologizing. And then he puts his hand on his hip with his gun. Now, maybe he's just resting. Maybe conveniently he likes to rest his hand on his gun. But it's like, fuck, dude. And I've had fucking military police in Mexico point machine guns at me many times at night on the beach. This is not the first time, but it's more intense because there's a fucking coronavirus and my father's in the can goddamn hospital with cancer. So I'm a little more stressed out. And I've been working for this skip, my father, all day doing shit. I, I don't rest. I'm sleep deprived. I'm going crazy. He's got his hand on his hip, on his gun. He's telling me the deal. Now, the older officer, a little pudgy older fella with a little kind of face, he's walking up with the clipboard. He actually has a mask on. This cop don't, but I do. And now I think he kind of gets nervous that I have the mask on. Maybe I said the word hospital. Maybe he thinks coronavirus. Not true. Liver cancer. Just as deadly, but not a spreadable deadly thing. The other guy's walking up. He's got the clipboard, the protocol. And the guy's like, yeah, you you know what? You're going you're gonna to come in. We're going to take you in. And then you can pay a... Um, uh, a four thousand dollar peso fine, which is roughly two hundred dollars, right? Yeah, it's about two hundred U.S. dollars, and that's how you get your thing back. But they're saying we're gonna take you in. Usually, these bribes just happen in the car and you're out. Sorry, I'm bending the brim of my motherfucking hat. Older guy, I'm explaining it in his stomach thing, and he seems like he's got a kind eye. Now he gets it. He's feeling a little bad for me. The other guy tells him not, and he get the, the older fatter cop wants to talk English to me. The other guy goes, nah, fuck it, man. He speaks Spanish. He knows what's going on. Fuck him. All right? And they're arguing now. And then they go, they tell me in Spanish, well, how much you got? Give us what you got. Give us everything you have or we're going to bring you in right now. Give us what you have. So they clean me out. It's nothing. It's, it's equivalent to $200 they take from me anyway, which is what they really wanted in there. But they throw my license back on my lap and one the, the meaner cop tells me to get the fuck out of there. But I'm just trying to go visit my fucking cancer-ridden father in the goddamn hospital and these guys pulled me over. And it's just, it's corruption, it's whatever, bro. You know, this shit happens. What's up, Cass? Um, but, you know, on top of going to visit your cancer patient father with the coronavirus and you're stressed out as fuck, and my girlfriend just lost her cousin to the virus in Jersey. I didn't say that. We got a lot of stress going on right now, man. And it's just like, ah, your blood boiled them. Shit's is hot in your veins. You know when you feel like you got that fire in your veins, like you're Dawson from Street Fighter 2 and you can just shoot it out. So I get to the hospital and I'm furious and I, I, you know, I meet with my pops. I meet with the doc. We do what we got to do. And I don't get out of there. I don't get to leave there till like nine at night. It's raining and this road is not, again, Baja at night. What I say is terrible. I got to, excuse me, drive home at night in the rain. 
And I get home, though, and I tell my girl, I'm fucking furious and angry. I have a drink to chill out. She made a dope dinner for me. Then we finally get to zone out and watch TV or movie. It. This is like 11 at night now. After my whole protocol, stripping and showering and disinfecting and doing the whole fucking nine, because that's my life every day. Every day I leave the house. If I go to the open-air vegetable market, which is empty down the street, I don't have to. But I'm talking when I got to go to a motherfucking hospital, dude. It's a place of... It's a place of birth and life. It's also a place of death. I've always thought that about hospitals. It smells like death, but it also smells like life. It's like a pawn shop. There's redemption, hope, and despair all in one. <laughs> I love pawn shops. I do. Not the fucking shit on the reality shows, but I just like going there. But I, I, we, we chill out for a little bit, and that was last night. And I wake up today, and I can't go back to the hospital today. I'm supposed to get him out the next day or two. But we get to do normal shit today. We slept in. I actually fucking slept for the first time in two weeks. I slept more than four hours. You don't know how good it feels, dude. Sleep is the best. All you, I can sleep when I'm dead, motherfuckers, trying to hustle and shit too much. Get your sleep, dude. Everything is done better, more efficiently, and more accurately with sleep. And right now, due to the virus, all doctors and medical officials are recommending eight hours of sleep at least a night. I wasn't even getting that because I was taking care of this dude. I couldn't even eat. I was risking myself now. And thus risking my girlfriend just to, to take care of him. And then what a predicament, dude. And I had, like I said, man, I had a lot of family. I had a lot of friends who have dealt with this cancer shit before. You've not done what I have had to do unless you're dealing with it right now. And I'm not trying to put myself up on a pedestal. This ain't no woe is me for Jake the Snake thing. I'm just saying my situation is unique. And everybody else going through what I'm going through right now is unique. Because, yeah, you might have had family and friends and parents. People die from cancer. Did you ever have it die or suffer through this shit during the middle of a fucking international global pandemic? There ain't been nothing like this in a hundred years, bro. A hundred years since the goddamn Spanish flu that's been this lethal. So if you've dealt with it, you dealt with it differently. You didn't have to suit up like me. You can't even hug your loved ones. You can't even bring your family around. They're not even allowed to help. Now it's all on me and my girl. And God bless her for being the same, for sticking with me. My father's an Aries, just like me. He's like Jake, but way worse. I'm a little kinder, more artistic, and sweet. I credit that to my mother's genes, the Colleton family, the Irish family. But she got to deal with two of us. Now, I'm, I, you know, and I'm, I'm treating her like the best I can. I'm so grateful for her, but... It's not easy for her. It's not been easy for me. And the virus makes it harder. And then I'm doing this in a foreign land where, granted, I speak the language. He don't. That language barely be freaking him out in the hospital when he can't get things done the way he thinks he wants them done. And I'm trying to be sympathetic, but also I'm pushed to my breaking points, man. And I got family back in the States who want to help. They're sad. And all his friends down here want to help. They're sad. You know what I'm saying? What up, Handy? What up, Handy Six Deuce? But I, I can't help everybody i can't even answer the phone i got people calling me and texting me and whatsapping me all day they want to know what's up i don't even have the time to fucking take a shit or sit down and eat a meal in peace you think i got time to hit everyone back you know some people i have to hit back because they've helped out you know by donating blood by you know bringing over food and groceries when we're too busy running around to the hospitals dude i've been at the hospital more times than i've in 10 days and i've been in my fucking 10 years of my life dog what up kasim what up kasim but you know this has been crazy man and nobody can tell that I got so mad and angry the other night. And again, this ain't no woe is me, snake man. I'm fucking dealing with something you've never done shit. But like, I was so angry the other night because like people were trying to tell me to be strong. Yeah, be strong, bro. I've been strong my whole fucking life. This is a unique thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your family had cancer too. I get it. Sucks. Did you do it during the goddamn coronavirus? It just I, you can't do it the same way. The support system ain't the same. The the the, the restrictions. It is. You have to stay so sharp to protect yourself. 
and then you're looking out for your fucking family members on the deathbed, so you're compelled by your heart and your mind pulling you in different directions, and it's it's this fucking struggle. And I didn't drink for 26 days. Now I down here, I don't drink. I ain't getting drunk. I don't have the luxury, but I have to have like two glasses of wine or two cognacs or something after just to come down. And I don't even go more than that because I don't want to get faded. I'm not blo- blazing blunts and shit. I'm not even smoking. I need to come down because I'm, along with my girl, the only thing this dude's got right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm fucking, I'm sorry to say the funny damaged goods. What up, Kevin? That's my Slayer fam right there. What up, Kev? Um, I know it's like I haven't been myself and being myself is cracking funny jokes and shit. So this is more of a selfish episode of me venting. But it made me think of things that I can uh, share and apply to the general person out there listening. It's like, I don't know about you, but whenever I'm in situations like this, and even if it was just the corona thing alone, I mean, even before I found out about my father's cancer and all the crazy shit and like the loss of my girlfriend experience and the trauma we've been dealing with, even before that when it was just the coronavirus, which, <laughs> yo, alone, dude, anybody just dealing with the coronavirus alone, dude, you're dealing with some heavy shit. I feel for you. That alone is heavy as fuck. And before it, when all this other shit came to me, I was thinking about things like books and movies that I was reading or bringing to watch. That are like, you know, instill confidence, inspire perseverance and pushing on. My, my favorite book, one of my favorite books, and one of my favorite movies is this book, Papillon, or the movie Papillon about Henry Papillon, Chéri, the French thief who was framed for murder, sent to prison Devil's Island. Did like nine escapes from these French penal colonies in French Guyana in the 40s, and finally eventually escaped to Venezuela and got asylum there, and then the and France closed all these godly, awful, penal colleges that everybody in the world was condemning and he got you know exonerated left to go to France wrote this great book got turned into a great movie by uh, Will Starr and Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman things like that things like the Hurricane book and movie Reuben Carter story uh, um, you know even the Count of Monte Cristo granted that's fictional just any stories of strong perseverance I've been reading and, and, and watching movies like that it helps me you know what I'm saying and, and, and like dude that can help you in these times you can beat this shit you gotta stay sharp but you got to make sacrifices. I walk around every day with two priorities, mental and physical health and safety. That means for my father, when I'm taking care of him, when I bring his ass home from the hospital and wait and let him recover from this gnarly surgery and hopefully we get the chemo thing going on, uh, his safety by, and my safety and my girl's safety by, you know, when we go out to the grocery store or that once every two-week chemo trip, we got to go to the hospital. Same protocol, fucking mask, glove, don't touch shit, bring in your own pens, disinfect, come home, strip, wash, disinfect car, the whole fucking nine, still in effect, and our mental and physical well-being. He's got to eat the right things for his liver. Me and my girl got to eat and sleep a certain amount of time to be rested. We take, you know, natural herbs and teas and Simbacol and all the, the things to keep our respiratory systems good, and we make sacrifices. We waste nothing. We waste nothing. I, I was, my friend Adam Amengual, who's a repeat offender on damaged goods episodes many times over great photographer and a good friend of mine he's always been really environmentally sound and over the last couple of years he's helped me get there slowly i'm definitely i ain't no captain planet i'm not gonna front but this shit man kicked me into high gear at least for being wasteful i mean we waste nothing and we we, we reuse and we clean it i mean we always kind of i grew up kind of like that with my mom you know you grew up in some tough situations sometimes you're washing out ziploc bags and you're putting water in the soap things to dilute them and all these little kind of tricks some people call them hood tricks or poor tricks whatever it is we did shit like that but dude this is like to the umph degree times 10 right now exponentially you know what i mean 
We're doing all this. We don't waste shit, and we eat less. I'm a snacking motherfucker. Jake the Snake is a snacking motherfucker. I might have a slender frame, yes, indeed, but I eat like crazy, dude, and I'm not talking just Cheetos. I eat everything. I get high and eat. Well, I ain't smoking that much weed right these days, and I ain't snacking. I ain't eating Cheetos and cookies and shit. We're eating, if I'm lucky with my time, I'm eating three meals if I'm really lucky, two meals, but they're healthy and smaller portions. I'm sacrificing shit. We all are. And and I don't mean we all are here. I mean, all of us in this in, that are dealing with this shit right now in the world, fighting a good fight. It's a good thing, man. We a little better with the environment. We a little better with the motherfucking uh, use and waste. And you know, I know they say things like the mother nature is cleansing. Perhaps, right? We see less pollution. We people, including myself, have always said, "Oh, for population, dude, we got the people problem." But you never want your loved ones to go. You know. I've known people that have passed from just the virus. And then my father faced, faces his shit, not from the virus, but dealing with what he has to deal with. Now he's more exposed to the virus. And, you know, I got friends, man. I got friends that are motherfucking grocery store workers, work at banks, work for, like, uh, TSA or, or police or, or, or whatever, or, or whatever, essential workers. I got friends who have to go to work still. It's a double-edged sword here. And whenever I say the word sword, I say sword with a W. It sounds better, dude. Seriously, think about that old Saturday Night Live skit when it was still a good show. Uh, it was um, Jeopardy, Celebrity Jeopardy. What up, Julie? What up, Julie Ray? Uh, Celebrity Jeopardy with Sean Connery would always be on there, and he would say they would have one that was called Swords. Or no, S-Words for 100, and he would say Swords for 100, Alex. I always say the word sword, sword. It sounds better. I feel like I'm the RZA. It's a Wu-Tang documentary. Um, it's a double-edged sword, okay? Uh, <laughs> where was I? I'm sorry, I keep going on these motherfucking tangents. Um, it's like we, we, we don't want, we want the world to clean up. We want the environment to improve. We want pollution to go down. We want people to be less wasteful and shit. But it sucks when it comes at the cost of, of people we love and know. What's up, Tamara? How you doing, Tamara? Um, you know, we don't want that. And I've, like I said, me and me and my girl, we know people who've passed from the virus. We got people who have it who are gonna beat it right now. They're gonna beat it. That's how you gotta think. It's crazy. And now, when you expose yourself more, it's risky. So these people who gotta go to these jobs, man, you wanna go to your job. That's the double-edged sword. You wanna go to your job. You're getting paid, right? My job, dude. Okay, I work in live music touring, and I got a radio show, and both ain't motherfucking happening. Okay, both are not happening. So part of me is like, damn, some of these people are lucky because they get to go to a job. But at the same time, they go to that job full of fear, dude. It's scary, bro, being out there. I don't want to go out. I see people who get to be locked down. I am jealous. And I don't mean this to sound negative, but motherfuckers are like, oh, I'm complaining about being quarantined. I would pay to stay in the house right now. I would pay. I have to go to a hospital. Not even a grocery hospital where death lurks. All right, it exists there just like life exists there. Death fucking exists there, dude. I have to go there for the life of this other man, and then it's fucking intensifies it. I wish I could just leave the house once a week to the grocery store. I would love that. I would love to be in my fucking crib in L.A. All safe, smoking weed, watching movies. I am busting my ass around the clock, not getting to do so. And I don't say that again. I'm not trying to. What would me, Snake Man, fucking dealing with it? I'm not a baby like that. And if I sound like that, I'm sorry. That ain't my intention. I'm just saying. Some of y'all are lucky to do that, man. Please, that's awesome. You're doing the right thing. 
You're not being lazy and sitting around your house. You're doing the right thing. You're making it better for people like my father and fucking hospital workers and nurses and doctors that got to take care of him and all these other patients. You're making it better for the people who got to go to those jobs, the grocery stores, the banks, the gas stations, the cops, the firefighters, the, the whatever else, there's the pharmacy people. You're making it better. So don't feel like you're just cooped up in your house suffering. You're doing a fucking a deed, man. That's kind of heroic. Be proud of yourself. Empower yourself with that. And I'm jealous of y'all in a good way. I wish I was there. Right? I'm not get, I'm actually paying to expose myself. I'm paying the hospital. I'm paying for gas and shit to co-expose myself. It's terrifying, man. You know what I'm saying? It's a test, man. Any of you God's testing me. This is the motherfucking SATs, man. But I'm pushing through it. I'm pulling through it. And I got friends and family. And any of y'all that listen to the podcast, all y'all that buy the book, all y'all that like the posts on Instagram and social media, Facebook, Twitter, whatever the fuck, anyone who listens to Rainy Rail with me and Beans on um, Dash Radio, Native Rhymes channel, I fucking love y'all. I thank y'all, man. Y'all are keeping me going. Listen to this last little swig of cognac. Want to listen to this Mexican cognac go down? Mm. It's, not as, it's not as sweet as you think, but it's still got a bite. But no, I love y'all. I'm thankful. Support your fellow artists and creatives in these times. A lot of people who do things like I do, it's hard, man. We don't get the same unemployment benefits. We don't get the luxuries to always work from home. Some of us do. So, you know, I'm talking about your, your writers, your musicians, your, your singers, your dancers, your artists, your chefs, your um, photographers. Fuck it. I don't know. Graphic designers, dude. Uh, seamstresses, broadcasters, authors, all that. Support them if you can, but I know funds are tight. Um... I wish I had a cool joke to end it with, but nobody has jokes no more. Comedians got jokes, but those are bits. I mean, like, you know, common jokes we all used to share. All right, this is the only joke I remember, and this is like a 20-year-old joke. This MC, and a music artist dude from um, Massachusetts, Mike Styles, Mike Homewood, he said this joke on stage when I was like 17, I saw him say it in Boston at Bill's Bar. And I just, I don't know why it stuck with me. It's the last fucking joke I remember. Uh, maybe it's not the funniest, but this is what I'm leaving you motherfuckers with. He goes... How do you make pickle bread? And the crowd goes, I don't know. How do you make pickle bread? And he says, dildo. All right, y'all. This episode of the Damaged Goods Podcast was brought to you by Elite Botanicals. Elite Botanicals is originally the CBD division of Elite Cannabis. If you guys have heard me talk about them, you know this is my favorite CBD product out there. The only one that truly works. I swear by it. That's why I'm endorsing them, not for any other reason. And now they're back with their new line for your little pets, Whole Pet CBD. They are one of the first companies farming high CBD cannabis under industrial hemp rigs. They've been working with CBD since 2013 with one of the first licensees in Colorado. Also, they've been working with Colorado State University since 2016 on their canine research study with CBD. So they know what they're doing. Their focus is providing farm-to-table product that uses the best ingredients possible, ultra-refined, distilled, full-spectrum CBD oil at high potency for reasonable pricing. That's the problem. Most of these other guys are overpriced for their non-working stuff. This allows for effective dosing and a 30-day-plus supply per unit. For the pets, they've got drops that go on their food or in their mouth. they got chicken and salmon-flavored ones. They've got soft gel capsules. they got a gravy powder. You just sprinkle that over their food or put a couple of water in there, and it makes a nice little gravy mix chocked full of CBD, glucosamine, and omegas for their joints. They've got nose and toes balm for cracked noses and paws, and they got some all-natural treats on the way. All this is available at wholepetcbd.com. 
Elite Cannabis, Elite Botanicals, and now Whole Pet CBD, all from Elite. Go check it out.